Busted. <laughs> Sorry, baby, I didn't mean that. Amen. Anybody excited this morning? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You ready for a quote? This is a PJ original. Get ready to tweet. Get your tweeters out. Here's the quote this morning. If your faith doesn't have stretch marks, then it's probably never grown much and it's definitely never birthed anything. Good night. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, I was going to say that again. If your faith doesn't have stretch marks, then it's probably never grown much, and it's definitely never birthed anything. Man. When I typed that, when I typed it, it just came out, right? And I typed it, and I said, wow, that's so true. I know stretch marks is not a popular topic. I understand that. So as soon as you, some of you heard that word, you turned off. You said, oh, this ain't for me. But the thought of it, you understand? You with me, right? You, you, you understand. You feel that. Anybody excited just about the fragrance of God in this place? Man. When you worship, there's just like a fragrance that's released. Let me help in case you guys didn't didn't smell it. (laughs) Tell me when you get that over there someplace. Seriously though, there's a well anyway, this 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 one one day this week, I got on the bus. And, you know, I get on the bus, I usually go to the back because that's the only place that there's seats available at that point and stop. And so I got in and, you know, I slid into one of those double, you know, the double seats where you got to slide over and, and sit down. And I sat down. And as soon as I sat down, as soon as before I got my bag up on my lap, before I got comfortable, bam, a scent hit me in the face. I mean, like bad. Like a bad fragrance, right? And, you know, immediately I just, I froze. I said, wait, there's nobody sitting next to me. This is really bad. And how many of you do, would do these things? Like, is that me? Could I smell that bad? Anybody ever done that? You ever got, you smell something, you got self-conscious, and you start like, and you're like, no, that's kicking. That's not me. I've never smelled that bad. I haven't smelled gyms that bad. I mean, this was a bad, bad smell. And so naturally, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to look around because you need to identify the offender, right? You guys all do it. Come on. So I looked in front. In front, there was two little teenage girls going to school. I said, they're too vain to be smelling that bad. So it's not them. But I leaned forward anyway. Just 
It wasn't them. So I said, okay, he's got to be coming from right back here. So I turned to the side. The guy behind me is in a suit and tie. Clean. I mean, he probably smelled really good. But I checked him out anyway, you know. Nothing. I said, this is so bad. It's really, right now it's offending me. It's getting so, so bad. Everybody, it doesn't seem, so I'm thinking, somebody must have got up from this chair that I'm sitting on and like funked it up, right? And so I said, oh my God, I got to move because I'm going to smell like this all day. And so I, I said, okay, no, hold on, maybe it'll go away. Maybe, no, no, no. Before, the first, before I was down the hill, I had to slide back out and, and get up and just move. It was so bad, that scent. So apparently somebody had left that behind. Isn't it like smell something crazy that you can leave it behind? Right? Sometimes people have a scent that's so strong that it, that it, and, and sometimes that's not a bad thing. How many of you know like people that smell really good? Right? Like my wife smells really good. I love the way my wife... But, but, you know, some people have that scent that one day, when they leave, you're like, oh, wow, it's still, you know, it's a particular perfume or a cologne or something that mixes with that person that's so... And, and you know, we have that strong, that scent that gets left behind. And there's, there's something so powerful about not just leaving an aroma, but about... There's something powerful about being an aroma. You with me? So, so what does this all have to do with the gospel anyway this morning? That's why I love this church. You guys ask the best questions. In 2 Corinthians, Paul uses this illustration, and in my opinion, it's such a powerful one. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 14. He says, through Jesus Christ, he says, Christ... Through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. So Christ, through us, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere that we go. He goes on to say, for we are the aroma of Christ. Do you ever think about yourself that way? I'm the smell of God. Isn't that powerful? I am the smell of God. I preached a sermon a couple years back to how you smelling. Anybody remember that one? How you smelling? Because you are, the word says, we are the aroma of Christ. Listen to what it says. It says, to, the, to those that are being saved, we're the, the fragrance of life. And to those that are perishing, we are the fragrance of death. Isn't that powerful? The, the message calls it a terrific responsibility. So I'd like to share another quick word with you this morning in the True Colors series titled, The Terrific Responsibility. And let me tell you something, if you've just joined us in the last couple of weeks, you have put yourself in a very dangerous place. You have picked some of the toughest messages ever preached I think in the history of this church. And let me be clear about something. It's not because we're angry. It's not because we're fed up. And it's not because you just showed up. Okay? Some of you might be thinking it's just because you showed up. 
Right? It's just because I'm here that you're... But, but listen, we're not angry. We're not fed up. We're not, like, so sick of people. We love you guys. We're just preaching through the book of James. Amen? And so James, James says right in the beginning that under pressure, your faith life is going to be forced into the open, revealing its true colors. And so we've been preaching through the book of James and having our true colors been revealed. And so if you've been feeling pressure lately, I want you to be rest assured and I hope that you understand that it is from the Word, not from the church. Is there, is there a difference? I want you to really get this and understand this because historically the church has done... Historically the church has gotten this wrong. A lot of times. Historically, the church has, has taken on the terrific responsibility of putting pressure on people. Anybody experienced that? No? You probably haven't been to too many churches then. We've, we've, the church historically, and this goes all the way back to the beginning of time when even the, the Jewish believers were insisting that the Gentile believers be circumcised. Because they're, 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 they're saying, you know, you, you, you had to be, you have to be like us to be Christian now. And so, so they were insisting and putting this pressure on people when that wasn't what Jesus, the Word, was teaching. And so that was the problem Jesus had with them. And that's why I believe in James 3, it says plainly, My brothers, not many of you should become teachers. Isn't that a rough word? Say, so my brothers, listen, probably some of you should shut up. Cállate un poquito and listen. Wait till, wait till, you know, you get something in you. Wait till you're trained. Wait till the Word comes alive in you. Wait till there's something in you. Don't presume to be teachers. Why, why does it say? Because teachers are going to be judged with the greater strictness. Amen. See, you have to get to the point where you can teach the Word and not teach you. Okay? A lot of times, you know, we can, we can take the word and then, and, and we're all gonna do it. We're gonna take the word and it's gonna, you know, adapt. It's gonna filter through our experiences. It's gonna filter through what we've been through. But we have to be able to teach the word and not teach you. Because you see, since after the fall, the law was given so that we can see that even the best of us couldn't keep the full law. And so, you know, Jesus came to fulfill the law, and then, and then these teachers, they were still teaching salvation through the law. And historically, the church still does the same thing. We stress the law, putting pressure that should come from the Word on a keep the law. So imagine back in those days, imagine coming into a relationship with Christ. You heard him preaching and you heard him just sharing on the Sermon on the Mount and the, 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 the Pastor Gary's and Pastor Mark's, they gave an altar call back then, right? And people came to the front and people said, you know, I'm here to just give my heart to God. I want to get right with God and I want to be a Christian. And so imagine right after that time that we'd, we'd pray together and then we'd say, okay, all the men... If you go over to the left, there's a, there's a C room. That's the circumcision room. Just go right there. You're about to go get circumcised because we want you to be real Christians. Cut the salvation rate really quick, right? Like literally. There would never be another man step up in that church again. And that might sound ridiculously, but historically the church has done the same thing. 
We've, you know, we get to the point where people want to give their hearts to God. And so then as soon as soon as they come in, the, the, the day two of church, we tell them, OK, now, listen, you got to stop drinking, stop cursing, stop sleeping around, stop, uh, you know, cover up your tattoos, take out the earrings. And you women who think you're cute, stop wearing makeup and stop shaving your legs. Here's a bun and a long skirt. Get busy. When it's really the word that has to put pressure on people, right? It's the spirit of God that brings conviction, not the church. And so, you know, we've been preaching through the book of James and, and I keep hearing, oh man, people are saying, wow, James is so rough. That's a hard book. That's some tough stuff, man. God is dealing with that, man. That is some hard hitting. That, the book of James is radical. But you know, the more I go through it and the more I deal with it and, and read it and go over it and study it, the more I read it again and again, the more I'm realizing that really, and here's some deep revelation for you today, James is not that radical. Maybe we've just been brought up wrong in the Lord. Let me explain that. Maybe we've just been living on a light, low-fat version of the gospel because we've been too scared to get too heavy in God. Maybe, you know, listen, one of our terrific responsibilities is to understand and present and live the full gospel. Life, death, resurrection. The full gospel. Amen? Maybe James sounds so radical because we've been sissified by a culture that seeks comfort before commitment. See, we're having a membership meeting today, and I wanted to bring that into the message because, listen, membership is all about commitment. You, you have to understand this. And let me be clear. You don't have to be a member to go to heaven. You don't have to be a member to have a relationship with God. The, the, you know, the word talks, but, but the word talks consistently about being a body. All throughout the word, there's a theme of being a body. Now, I don't know about, you know, how, how your body works, but on my body, all the parts are always with me. Right? So if the word is talking about being a body, it's talking about always being together, isn't it? See, if my hand decided that I don't want to be where the rest of me is, then my hand will no longer be part of my body. You, you, you get that? See, my hand cannot stay home and listen to Olstein and still be part of this body. It's okay, relax. I'm not angry. Just preaching through James. Membership is about commitment. Commitment says this. Commitment says, I'm going to be there because God wants me there. I'm going to be here because God has planted me here. Listen, not when I want to or when I can make it or when I don't have anything better to do or when there's no other party or when things get rough in my house or when things get rough in my life. No, that's somebody who doesn't have a relationship with God. That's not the members of a church. 
The members of a body. Commitment says, I am part of this body. I support this body in every way. That means I even support it in my tithes and offerings. See, don't worry, Sandy. We got enough food now, God. I just cut the membership class in half. And that's okay because I'm going to be going through our membership list that we presently have and deleting names. Because it, membership is not like I'm on some club or I'm a, I'm a part of this. No, membership <coughs> means that we're here. Amen? Membership means that I'm, I'm with it. Whatever you guys do, I'm with it. One of the terrific responsibilities that we have as believers is to be part of a body. And listen, we'll, we'll get into this in, in, the, in the thing later on, but, uh, you know, a lot of people teach, well, you know, membership is forever, and if you become a member, that means, you know, if you ever break up from the church, that's like divorce. No, it isn't. God will call us and put us in places for different seasons. And so understand, if, if, if you've been a member here five years and God is, is moving you to Florida, I, I don't think you're listening to God, but anyway... It, you know, but, but seriously, God can move you someplace, and God can take you someplace, and God, and that's okay. Understand that that's not like against, but when you separate from this body, you still need to be part of a body. It's about being the body, because listen, the sanctuary is not the only body of Christ. But, so, so you, you don't leave this body and just in limbo, and, and listen to Osteen. Or Jake's or, or whoever. No, you, you need to leave. If you leave this body, you need to be surgically connected to another body. You need to be part of the body of Christ. That's, that's what, what uh, one of our terrific responsibilities. Amen? Maybe James sounds so radical because we're still too into ourselves for that stuff. We're still into our lives, you know, to be, to be talking about be committed to church or be committed to bodies, you know. Maybe, maybe, listen to this, maybe the gospel that we've been handed down through the years has gotten so watered down that there's no blood in it anymore. Because, because maybe the progressives and the relevance and the crowd seekers and the people pleasers think that let's not talk about the blood because the blood will offend people and turn people off from church. Meanwhile, every network has a vampire show on their network and nobody's offended. And most of us are watching it. Maybe James sounds so radical because we're not doing the basics. Maybe James sounds so radical because because we've sterilized the gospel so much that we've made it impotent to the point where it can't father any more children. I was thinking about this. Maybe the old school Pentecostals, maybe they were onto something. When, when, when their services were four and five hours long and, and when, then they would leave and eat and then come back and meet again for prayer for another couple of hours. And then, and then they'd meet three or four more times during the week for hours to worship and pray. Listen, I know that wasn't all right, but maybe it wasn't all wrong. Because at least they were doing something. 
At least they were about something. At least they were passionate about God. They were passionate about the church. They were passionate about the word. And listen, when you saw an old school Pentecostal group walking down the street, <laughs> you knew what they were about, right? I mean, I mean, their, their Bibles are so big and have so many papers and have so many stickers that they have to have handles. So they walk with, a, with, a, with their Bibles with a handle on it. We got it in our phone. We're too cute, you know. When they, when they came down the street, you knew what, who, what they were about. Amen? You still do. There's still a remnant left. You, you still know. Listen, I, I remember one day I was a, a, young, a young man and I was still into some crazy stuff, right? And, and I was into, you know, a piritimbo and that kind of stuff. And, and that day I was, I, was sitting, I was sitting on the stoop outside standing, arguing with my girlfriend, who's not my wife, but arguing with my girlfriend about me going to the centro to do what I had thought I had to do. And, and I remember that day like it was yesterday, and we were, we were there arguing because she never wanted me to go to do that. She always knew in, inherently in her spirit that that was wrong, but I thought that that was right, and I thought I was serving God by doing those things. And so we were out there fighting. I'm trying to leave to get on the train to go to Prospect Avenue, and, and who do I see coming down the block? Like four or five Pentecostal hallelujah sisters with the buns and the, and the long skirts. And you, I just knew something was going to happen. I knew that if I don't break from this conversation before they hit me, something's going to happen. And it did. And I was set free that day. Set free that day. Because, because those, those little ladies, those little hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah sisters, they, they had just been coming from a two-night prayer vigil. They had just prayed through an entire night the day before, and they were just coming out this evening, Friday night, from being there all day and and night. And they came out, and as soon as they hit me, this was a divine appointment. As soon as they hit me, they said, we need to speak to you. Come downstairs. And, and, And when a little lady that's prayed up like that, carrying a Bible with a handle on it, with a lot of notes and 400, you know, stickums on them, you, and when they say do something, you do it. Right? And so I went, <laughs> I went downstairs into that house and the, the littlest one was talking to me and she started speaking to me and before she had this little squeaky high voice, I can't even imitate it, and she's talking to me and talking to me and I'm like, oh boy, I'm in for the lecture of my life right here, you know, about whatever. And, and I'm listening, I'm listening. All of a sudden her voice got deep and her voice became strong and her voice sounded like hundreds of voices and all of a sudden we're in a basement apartment and the, the lights were so bright that I had to look down and all of a sudden the weight was so heavy that I had to fall down and all of a sudden the presence was so thick that I would cry and they told me that day they read my mail from beginning to end they told me that day this is what they tell you in that place this is what they told you this is how they trapped you this is what how they're holding you there but God says none of that is real and and after I, I didn't even plan to share this but after after um spending an entire year in this Entire year where I was terrorized every night, where I couldn't sleep every night because I was so scared at night. I'm a grown teenager already, you know, 18, 17, whatever, 
You know, and I'm crying at night because I don't want to go to sleep because I'm terrorized because things are moving my bed, things are shaking in my room, things are grabbing me, and I just don't want to deal with the spiritual every night. That night was the first night slept like a baby. Never, never again. I was set free that night because, so, so, so listen, maybe, I, I know they don't got it all right, but maybe they, they're not all wrong. Amen? And there's something to be said for that, man, because today, instead of, of Christians consumed with their Christianity, we're more consumers, picking and choosing what and how we're committed. Oh, I'll help here, I'll do that, I'll... No, I think if I, if I cut out a sanctuary by this certain time, I could still catch the choir over at Harvest. Or if I, if I jump out of Harvest by this time, I could catch the preaching over at New Seed. And, and we're just consumer. We're just picking and choosing. We're not, we're not like committed to something. I talk with a group of pastors every month and we meet and there's so many people that may grace our doors, the doors of our churches, maybe once a month. And, and, you know, that for every excuse, you know, people that for every excuse will skip a Sunday. Every excuse. It, it's, it's raining. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's my neighbor's cousin's birthday. It's, it's you know, uh, uh, this one's sister's cousin's friend is, is um, just lost somebody. Uh, this, it's like, what? What's that got to do with you? And why that can't wait till after? And I'm not, listen, I'm not preaching legalism. I'm not saying, oh, you need to, you know, don't miss the church. But, but, but listen, I, we, we have to get to the point where I don't have to go to church. I want to be a part of the church. I want to be church. Why? Because I am church. I am the body. And I don't mean me because I'm the pastor. I mean us. I, I, you. I am the body. I don't have to go. I get to go. So maybe James isn't that radical, right? Maybe he's just honest and he's just practical. Maybe James is just keeping it real. Because, I mean, listen to what he's told us. He's told us, listen, you're going to go through some things this side of heaven and, and things aren't always going to be cool. You're going to find yourself in some pretty tough situations. But James says, hang in there because God probably has you there. Let them work in you and let them work through you because when you come out of that thing, you're going to be better than you were when you went into that thing. So for right now, count it all joy. Stop running away and stop running your mouth. He tells us, listen, don't judge people by the outside. Treat everyone the same. How? He says, love them, care for them, even the tough ones. He tells us, learn how to stop reacting to things and instead learn how to respond to things. In other words, be slow to talk. Listen more. He tells us, and when you listen to what God says, homie, you got to actually step out and do some of those things. You, you can't just keep hanging out around church. you got to step out and do stuff. One of the terrific responsibilities is to receive the gospel and then live the gospel. To be the fragrance of God to the world around you. He tells us there's, there's going to be some awesome rewards waiting for you when you go through. 
and do what you got to do. It is going to be awesome. But if you're not serious, if, if you're not walking this thing out like right, then like we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, then your religion is worthless. You should stop going to church. Your way, you can sleep in on Sundays. Because it's useless to just be going through the motions. This has to be a heart thing. If you really mean it with your heart, then you're going to mean it with your actions, James says. I know we're doing another recap, but we got to get it, amen? Because James says faith without works is dead. If you really mean this thing, you're really going to walk this thing. One of the terrific responsibilities is to grow, to mature, to step out in faith and stretch our faith. And that's where I, I hit the, if your faith doesn't have stretch marks, you probably haven't grown in a long time. When do you get stretch marks? When, when a part of your body grows faster, I guess, than the skin can keep up with it. Right? I, I don't, I'm not a doctor. That sounds right to me, right? I'm sure some of you could explain it better, but it doesn't matter. You understand, right? If something, like, you know, the, the, those of you who are real buff guys, when you, when you pump up and you grow too fast, you know, you get stretch marks. Why? Because you grew faster, I guess, than your body expected you to. So, so listen, our faith should have stretch marks, like all over the place. And we should glory in our stretch marks. <laughs> Woo! We should brag. We should be like, minute, let me show you. Look, I got this one when God told me to leave my job and just step out and plant a church. Look, look, I got this one when God told me to speak to my boss and tell him this and don't worry about what's going to happen. Look, look, I got this stretch mark when, when God told me to give the little bit that I had that he was going to supply. Oh, come on, man. Come on. I don't want no stretch marks. Now, when we hear this all again, doesn't it like sound a little more practical now? It's not that radical anymore, is it? This book of James, it, it doesn't sound radical to me anymore. Maybe, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's where God wants us to be right now. Because chapter 3 then continues with a very practical teaching about taming the tongue. Woo! Look at the picture James uses. He says, the tongue is a fire. And then he says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Anybody ever experienced that? Just the tongue can set a fire that will rock your entire family, that will rock your family and your friends and your friends' families. Something as small as the tongue. Look, what, look at another description he gives it in the book in James 3. The tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He's serious. 
With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people that are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So church, one of the terrific responsibilities that we have is to watch your mouth. M-O-U-F. Watch your mouth. The word says you can't have salt water and fresh water coming from the same stream. Isn't that, isn't that deep? It says you can't grow grapes on fig trees. You can't grow cherries on apple trees. You, you can only get one thing. So isn't it crazy that we would come here and try to bless people here? And then from the same mouth we expect all the junk that comes out the rest of the week? And then we expect to come back in here and it changed from apples to grapes? It doesn't. It says only one thing can come from one place. Wow. Eso está fuerte. He says in 13, Who is wise and understanding among you by his conduct, let him show his works. The message puts it this way. Listen to this. Verse 13, Do you want to be counted wise? Well, then build a reputation for wisdom. Here's what to do. Live well, live wisely, and live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. One of the terrific responsibilities is to understand that the way we live speaks louder than the way we talk. And of course, I mean that when we're talking all the Christian stuff but live in a different way. The end of chapter 3 ends this way. I, I don't even want to power. I just want to read to you this. The end of chapter 3, verse 17, starting here, it says this, Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable. It is overflowing with mercy and blessings. Listen, it is not hot one day and cold the next day. It's not two-faced, verse 18. Now, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor, Family, one of our terrific responsibilities and a really major one is to get along with each other. Is that like crazy loqueria? Isn't it crazy that the Bible has to even tell us that? One of the major responsibilities, our terrific responsibilities, is that we would do, and listen to how James puts it, that we would do the hard work of getting along with each other. So is he living in a fairy tale saying, oh, we should all, we're all Christians. We should all sing Kumbaya and get along, right? No, he's saying the hard work of getting along. Another version says, those that want peace, sow peace. So peace is sown in peace. So if you want peace, you have to sow peace. If you want to grow peace, you've got to plant peace. I, I hope somebody getting this. 
But church, that's not radical. That's the gospel. That's the gospel in shoes. That's the gospel in a dress. That's the gospel in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. That's the gospel in you and me. One of our terrific responsibilities, the last one for today, is that is this one. It's something we have to, together, is to develop a healthy and robust community that lives right with God. I'm getting shot at. Nobody's running. Thank you. Thank you all for racing to my rescue. I was really impressed with that response. Thank you, Juan. I thought you'd be a little quicker than that. Thank you, Jonathan, for ducking. And so, church, that's the gospel, man. That's Christianity. That's the purpose of the church. That's, that's membership, even. That's our membership class kind of right there in a nutshell. The only terrific responsibility, come back, come up, G. The only terrific responsibility left is to respond. Pastor G, come on. Everybody's been speaking about the last days everywhere I go. But one of the signs of the last days, the Bible says, is that church people are going to gather around them teachers who are going to soothe their itching ears. See, there's a lot of people that don't want to hear the truth. And they're going to gather teachers who are going to come and speak compromise. That's one of the signs of the last days. So I thank God for a church where you can hear a pure message, where people love you enough to speak the truth to you. But see, we have to come to a place where we respond. Last week, we, we anointed everyone to and marked you for holiness. So that you can be used by God. And I'm going to ask for the worship team to come. But today, we have, it's time to take the next step. In the old days, you know what the old saints did? They stood on the promises. Now we just sit in the premises. It's time to get up and step into your God-given destiny. See, God has a purpose for your life, not only in the church, but out there. Some of you are stuck because, just as Pastor George said, we love to be comfortable. How many times I ask people, I say, God is calling you to speak or teach a class or sing a song. And you know what the response most of the time? I'm not ready for that. I got to pray about it. Don't ask me. Ask someone else. I don't know what God you know. Because the God I know says that there's nothing I can't do. If someone asks you to work with kids and you say, I don't have the ability, the patience, do you know that God will supernaturally give you patience and skills? 
And there's a fancy word for that. Everyone want to learn a fancy biblical theological word? It's called the anointing. You know what the anointing is? It's God giving me the ability. It's God qualifying me to do things that I'm totally unqualified for. You see, when I was in college, I took a speech class, and they threw me out. After the speech, I looked, and everybody was sleeping. I have absolutely no ability to say a word to anybody in the natural. In the natural, I have no ability to go in the street and start conversations with people. I hate to do that. There's nothing in me that likes to go to a stranger. But if, but it, but if it comes at time, well, Holy Ghost is exploding already. You see, when it comes at time to go out, if someone says, can we go out in the street and tell people, I don't care what I hate to do, what I can't do. At the moment I need it, the Holy Spirit begins to well up inside. And it's the same thing for every one of you. Implanted in you is the supernatural ability because the Holy Spirit lives in you. The ability to be the best parent there is, the best husband, the best wife, the best student. Whatever it is that that God has put in your path, He did not leave you without the ability to do it. It's not out there, but it's in you. So Pastor George was speaking about those old-time Pentecostals. You know, as soon as I got saved, one of the first services I went to was an all-night prayer meeting at John 3.16, which, which is a Spanish Pentecostal church. You see, back, back in those days, people waited until the Holy Spirit came. They didn't say, oh, we're hungry, let's go. They prayed and they prayed until the Spirit fell. They were hungry. So God brought those things back to my memory. God says, honor your fathers and mothers. And you know, we're going to do that right now. I want to honor those faithful Pentecostal fathers and mothers in the faith right now. So I'm going to ask if the prayer team can come quickly. Please, quickly. And we're going to have an old-fashioned Pentecostal anointing Holy Ghost service. We're going to lay hands on anyone who's saying today, I am willing. That's all you got to say. There's a scripture in the Bible where God said, Who shall I send? And you know what the prophet Isaiah, he said, Here I am, send me. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. If it's not you, please sit. If you're not saying, God, whatever it is you're calling me to do, I'm willing. I hope there's at least one person here, because just one can change a whole community, can turn this world upside down. But if you're saying today, oh, I'm just happy, I'm content, I don't want to be stretched, 
I just want to be made comfortable. I like this church. I feel comfortable here. Nobody bothers me. Then please don't come because God's going to hold you accountable. But if you're saying, God, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm counting the cost. I'm going all the way with you. I'm, I'm going to do what you called me to do. I'm going to fulfill my purpose. I'm going to ask you to come forth right now. We're going to anoint you with Holy Ghost fire.